Here to dive into industry trends with leading ETF experts, this is ETF Spotlight with Nina Mishra. Hello and welcome to ETF Spotlight. I'm your host, Nina Mishra. My guest today is John Mayer, Chief Investment Officer at GlobalX. GlobalX currently offers 109 US-listed ETFs with over 43 billion in assets under management. Uh, this includes some very interesting uh, ETFs in the thematic space. Uh, we're talking about the market outlook and uh, thematic investment ideas for 2024. John, welcome back. Uh, you're our first guest of the new year. Thanks, Nina. Honored to be a, uh, the first guest of the year. And uh... Here we go. Yes, so let's start with your 2024 market outlook. So heading into 2023, most strategists were expecting a recession and lackluster stock market returns, uh, but stocks managed to climb the wall of worries. Uh, and uh, strategists are much more optimistic for this year. Now, it has been a rough start to the new year, but it's only day two of the new year. So uh, do you think the Fed can manage a soft landing for the economy this year? And are there any significant risk factors that investors should carefully monitor? All good questions. Um, nothing happens as, as we expect. That's what I've learned for my 30 years on Wall Street. And going into uh, this year, as I was writing my outlook, um, I looked at many different things, obviously. First, I, I believe that investors um, can find some solace in the fact that the U.S. the US economy is resilient, um, remarkably resilient. Um, and there's been some positive things happening, decreasing inflation, uh, for the most part, weakening labor stats leading into the end of the year. And long-term interest rates um, have moved materially down from their peak. And you add it all up combined with the Fed talking about potential uh, rate cuts in 2024. This all builds into a possible real case for a soft landing. And that's that, that's my base case, is a soft landing at this point. Um, I do expect a gradual slowdown in economic growth. It's unlikely to see uh, the strong GDP growth we saw uh, in the third quarter, that's certainly going to slow down. I think that's a certainty. Um, but there's a lot of murkiness around. You know, the first couple of trading days of 2024, the markets have been down. Uh, there's been some pockets where they've been up. But for the most part, overall, they've been down. And if you look at the data picture, it's kind of complex. Uh, you have this labor market uh, that provides some unclear information. Uh, you saw a slight increase in the jolts figure, uh, a small decrease in the quits rate. Uh, this suggests an ongoing strength, challenging some of those previous expectations of aggressive rate cuts. Um, over the past couple of days, you've seen rate markets move. Uh, you saw the 10-year Treasury move above 4%. It's moved back a little bit from um, 4% in the 3.9% range. You have the ISM Manufacturing Survey, which contributes to the complexity with the unexpected rise in employment contrasted by lower new orders and prices. So what I think is key for clarity on this all is the 
upcoming jobless claims and employment report. But it does seem that the labor market, the labor demand remains robust, which is really complicating a lot of things. And then you had Fed notes coming out indicating that there's there's they're not quite sure when uh, they would actually cut rates. Um, so that could actually bring the the rate trajectory cut further down the line into 2024. And I think that's why you are seeing some of the uncertainty in the first couple trading days of the year. Um, 2023 was moving back to 2023 for some quick recap moments, because that's going to build into kind of the narrative going forward. Uh, it was shaped by the Fed's interest rate policy, without a doubt. Um, expanding economic impact of artificial intelligence was really important and talked about a lot. Um, and I think right now investors are entering a transitional phase. A lot of these factors led to a strong market rebound, but we're shifting focus back to interest rates, no doubt. Uh, that's what we're seeing, and that's the narrative, as I see, for the first few trading days of 2024. Um, as we thought they peaked um, in 2023, and that's they still may have peaked, but there's some murkiness here because of the data. Uh, the focus is shifting from robust growth and high interest rates to more subdued growth. Um, given this environment, potentially declining yields, but nothing moves in a straight line from my experiences over the past many years. I don't want to keep saying 30, too many. Um, so nothing moves in a straight line, but I do believe that the trajectory is slightly down for interest rates. Now, what we are focusing on from positioning is low volatility. The low volatility factor has been at, out of favor with the market, uh, but given the drawn out nature of of the slowdown and interest rates likely being at their peak, again, not in a straight line, down, but likely at their peak, low volatility may help provide some support as the economy, um, as economic growth slows. Also, low volatility could provide benefits should equity market volatility rise and or if there's any potential shock factors, whether it be geopolitical, economic, other political factors, um, commodity shocks or whatnot. And, and I believe that quality and low volatility are important factors for core exposure. But if we achieve a soft landing, risk assets also should benefit. And then moving over to the earnings front, you know, historically, slowing economic growth with rising earnings, uh, EPS has been one of the best environments for equity since the 50s. Um, and this is a likely economic environment for 2024. From an earnings perspective, we already went through an earnings recession. Uh, earnings are returning to positive territory in, in the third quarter with a 4.7% year-over-year increase. And as the balance between goods and services demand normalizes, S&P earnings are likely to improve. So, And also, typically, manufacturing is more sensitive to tightening financial conditions, which may assist with some convergence between services and manufacturing going into 2024.
quality and low volatility. Very interesting. And uh, in fact, quality factor performed quite well last year and quality factor ETFs gathered a lot of cash. They were very popular with investors last year. Now you summarized, you gave a nice recap of all the factors that drove uh, the market performance in 2023. Now going back a little bit, 2022 was terrible for both stocks and bonds. And last year, the first three quarters were tough for bonds again. Bonds did rebound in the fourth quarter with the decline in interest rates, but with increased correlations between equities and fixed income, many investors have started questioning the relevance of 60-40 portfolios. You believe that portfolio diversification is still important. And uh, I should mention that you have many years of experience managing ETF model portfolios. Uh, so you are the best person to talk about portfolio diversifications. Please tell us why 60-40 portfolios and some international exposure is still important for investors' portfolios. That's a good question. And, and for, for uh, a long time, there's been uh, discussions of the death of the 60-40 portfolio. Um, I think the death of the 60-40 portfolio has been grossly exaggerated. For a period of time, equities and fixed income certainly were highly correlated. And what we are and have been experiencing is a period of normalization. Interest rates were historically low from 2008 on. Um, they started to rise, and then we had the pandemic, and then they moved meaningfully lower, virtually to zero, um, to stimulate growth, um, putting liquidity back into the system during very difficult times, probably arguably too much liquidity was put into the system, thus sparking inflation. Whole another discussion takes, uh, but focusing on back on the 60-40 portfolio, we're now in a position where interest rates are um, at a meaningful level. Um, and you have the ability to diversify a portfolio on the equity and fixed income side. I think going forward, and actually quite honestly in 2023, uh, there was a greater focus on, on fixed income. When you have short-term rates at, at five plus percent, uh, you have the ability to diversify your portfolio. Um, we've had moved off peak interest rates. And if you look at the long end of the curve, the long end of the curve has performed very well. Um, and that certainly has added to performance if you were if you were structured on with a long duration portfolio. But even if you had a short duration portfolio, you you, you had the ability to add income. So I believe kind of in the intermediate portion of the curve is the right positioning at the moment, combining with the quality and, and low volatility factor, which is very important as the core exposure. But I also believe because we likely have experienced peak interest rates. Delving into certain areas, particularly as market breadth has broadened out, we haven't gone into the discussion of a lot of the, the, the performance of 2023 was driven by a small number of stocks that started to broaden out in November, December of last year. I think that as if we have peaked on interest rates and then they do decline um, as we moved into the year, that certainly benefits uh, small and mid-cap exposures. And then we have seen that. We have seen the broadening out of, of market movements. There's been arguably portions of, of the market, like the 
magnificent seven, not my favorite term, um, have certainly done well and are arguably expensive. Uh, but if you remove some of that exposure, um, the market is not overly expensive from our perspective. Um, so focusing on a broadening, broadening out equity market mixed in with fixed income on the intermediate side, you're getting yield, potentially some appreciation as interest rates move down and not taking too much risk. The 60-40 portfolio from our perspective is very important. Um, so there's going to be a greater focus on fixed income in 2024 as there was in 2023, because we do believe that interest rates are at a more normalized level now. Um, so there's there'll be greater interest overall in fixed income for an extended period of time. We're not expecting interest rates to move back to where they were. They're abnormally low for a variety of different reasons. And the last two years have been a normalization period, in some cases difficult. Um, that's part of the process. Very interesting. Now let's talk about uh, your favorite themes for 2024. And AI was the biggest theme of 2023. In fact, stock market returns were driven by enthusiasm regard, uh, about AI. And that is why Magnificent Seven were the biggest uh, beneficiaries, uh, and they were behind stock market returns last year. And we know that AI adoption is just starting. Uh, so please tell us about uh, why AI theme can still continue to do well in 2024? And what are the other key themes that investors should be paying attention to in the new year? AI, great question. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone continues to talk about it. Everyone's trying to contextualize what it means. First of all, the amount of times that AI is mentioned on earnings calls uh, for S&P 500 companies just continues to increase. AI adoption is accelerating. Um, and it increased data use is likely to infiltrate all different industries. So a little over a year ago, ChatGPT rolled out that kind of created this revolution of how AI is being used by the everyday person. Um, and, and the early forms of generative AI really took the world by storm. But I think the real opportunity is in the commercialization applications of AI models and the industries that are best positioned to benefit from their adoption um, over the coming years, decades, centuries. <laughs> but uh, so the computer and the cell phone technology revolutions featured three distinct phases of adoption and market beneficiaries. And and I expect that AI to follow a similar path. So if you look at those phases, phase one, computing power builds out using AI-compatible semiconductor chips. Then you have phase two, digital infrastructure ramps up with cloud computing players, uh, a theme that's also very important to uh, AI. Then phase three, interface and software companies capitalized by building or integrating AI models. Now, from a market perspective, 2023 was an excellent year for semiconductors with the first phase of AI adoption focusing on building out uh, computing resources. Now, computing power remains important, and we believe that the key beneficiaries of AI adoption are likely to broaden as AI monetization improves along the value chain. As mentioned a couple moments ago, cloud computing is a key theme that can benefit from generative AI's growth. Now, one emerging opportunity for cloud computing companies is AI 
as a service, a new term, which is a way for them to monetize their offerings. Um, recurring revenue business models are um, typically appreciated by the market. Uh, the opportunity includes uh, two key new key, key business models, model as a service and application programming interface, API. And that can make it more affordable for companies to engage with AI without needing to build their own models, which I, which I think is really important uh, for the commercialization of AI. AI is important to many different industries because it's going to increase efficiencies without a doubt. AI is, from my perspective, not necessarily a job killer. It's a job changer. Everything evolves. And if you don't work with the new technology, you get left out of the, the economy. Think about it. If you don't have a smartphone, you are left out of so many opportunities. So typically, technology is adopted by younger folks. That's not necessarily the case anymore, right? So if my mother, who's 85 years old, can't operate her, her smartphone, iPhone that she uses, she's left out of so many different things. So that creates, across generations, um, the use of these new technologies. It, it levels the playing field. It's, it's, it's a game changer. And AI is going to be a game changer because all across the spectrum, if you don't participate, whatever age level, age group, um, with AI, company, personal experiences, you're going to be left out. It's it's happening. It's it's and it's happening at such a fast pace. And November, December, with interest rates pulling back, we saw this 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 uh, widening of market breadth, which I think was really important to the narrative. Because why are these seven companies just being the beneficiaries of of AI? Now, these seven companies had a few key and still do these key aspects of data, super important to AI. Um, Hardware, obviously, NVIDIA has the chips for generative AI. They looked out. You will see that in expansion into other companies, uh, AMD and, and Microsoft and, and more, built, building the necessary chips for generative AI. But then the efficiencies that AI provides, so many different industries, so many different individuals, it's undeniable. And then the intersecting themes that go with AI, cloud computing, another recurring revenue business model, really important. You have this massive amounts of data stored up um, in cloud and servers has to be protected. Cybersecurity theme is so connected to cloud computing and AI as well because of the need and the ever-changing security regime associated with all this data being out there and the ever-changing aspects of these types of models. So I think cybersecurity is important. Again, another recurring revenues business model that the necessary spending, in some cases, requirements of spending, um, protection of personal data, protection of business data, protection of governmental data, and requirements by governments to protect data, uh, important businesses, banks that need the appropriate amount of, of protection, uh, which is ever-changing because there's obviously bad actors that continue to try to infiltrate different systems, both business, personal business as well as governmental. So. You may get peaks and valleys in terms of performance. Uh, first couple of days, I'm not going to judge 2024 by two days of, of market performance, uh, but these are undeniable areas that are spending is required and necessary and happening. Um, so 
key key themes from my perspective. Excellent. AI, cloud computing, and cybersecurity. All these themes are going to be very important, and investors should definitely keep an eye on these themes and invest accordingly. Excellent stuff, John. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights. Thank you so much. Happy 2024. That was John Mayer of GlobalX. Now let's talk about some ETFs that you could consider if you want to invest in the themes that he mentioned. Uh, so for AI and robotics, uh, GlobalX offers an excellent ETF. It is uh, the most popular ETF in the space. It is the GlobalX Robotics and Artificial Intelligence ETF. The ticker symbol is BO. TZ. GlobalX also offers an EDF uh, focused on AI exclusively. It is the GlobalX Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol is AIQ. Another ETF in the space that I like is by iShares. It is the iShares Robotics and AI ETF. The ticker symbol is IRBO. It is one of the cheapest uh, products in the space. And all these ETFs have done quite well uh, over the past year. For cloud computing, GlobalX offers the GlobalX cloud computing ETF with the ticker symbol CLOU Cloud. Now, if you want to look at uh, cybersecurity ETFs, the GlobalX cybersecurity ETF is BUG. Another ETF that I like is uh, the iShares Cybersecurity and Tech ETF that is ticker symbol is IHAK, I-H-A-K. And in full disclosure, I own IRBO, CLOU, C-L-O-U, and IHAK in the ETF investor portfolio that I manage. Thanks for listening. Please make sure to subscribe so that you do not miss any episode. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please email podcast at zax.com. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.